Hey everyone, Brian Wheels here with the good, the bad, the ugly. Just a quick FYI, in these first few newer podcasts, you're going to notice some subtle differences in the way the audio sounds. Nothing drastic, but as I try to tweak the quality of the audio and work with the new setup here in the renovated podcast studio, you just might hear a few subtle differences in the way the podcast sounds. But still, the content is out of this world. It's the best aviation maintenance content you're going to hear. So that's not going to change. Just little things as I make tweaks back and forth. Just a quick FYI, on to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the good, the bad, the ugly, the aviation maintenance industry. I am your host, Brian Wheels, and you're listening to, that's right, Allegiant Airlines, shenanigans at its finest. Folks, we're here. It's October 13th. I'm so sorry for getting this podcast out late to you. When you listen to this podcast, you might start off thinking, hey, airlines would never roll the dice with my life. They would never dare do such a thing. Safety is priority. Well, you know what? I'm not saying that Allegiant is the only airline doing it. There's other airlines out here that are doing the same thing. I guarantee it. And I know it. I've seen it. But Allegiant, they just did not cover their tracks real well. The rabbit hole goes deep, folks. The shenanigans, they're out of this world. Welcome to Allegiant Airlines. Shenanigans at its finest. Coming up. Hello, folks, and thank you once again for tuning into the podcast. I do apologize for getting the podcast out as late as it has. There was a lot of things going on in the background that I wanted to make sure that I was able to integrate into this podcast before I did release it. So again, I know some of you were very frustrated that I hadn't gotten it out there sooner, but it is here now. Let me pose a question to you, food for thought. When you board an aircraft after you take your seat, have you ever thought to yourself, is this plane safe? Does the airline that operates this aircraft, are they safe? Do you ever wonder about the maintenance that's been done or the people who perform that maintenance? I get asked about Allegiant Airlines a lot and what my thoughts are on them. So here we are. Allegiant did not do a good job covering their tracks. This is a good example of a handful of FISDO inspectors who were really concerned. And they drove their concerns home as far as they could. But before we dive right into all the fines, the violations, the background, the shadiness, I want to give a shout out to those who have lent me insight and they shared their experiences. I really do appreciate that. And I appreciate you, the listener, for tuning in. So what makes an airline or an aviation company unsafe? In my opinion, there's two things. It's money and it's culture. And you might be surprised that many airlines and aviation companies, they don't start out with the mindset of, we're going to be dicks. We're going to be shitheads and we're going to run this into the ground. They actually do start off having the right mindset of, we're going to run it the right way. We're going to hire the right people. We're going to follow the rules. The safety is our number one goal. The safety of the people and the aircraft. But is this always the case as time goes on? No, it's not. As some companies and airlines grow larger, they start to stray away from that number one goal of safety. Many times they find that saving money by cutting costs is now the new goal. The reality of it is that money, it is what drives the aviation industry. It is not safety, not anymore. And that money goes right into the pockets of the CEOs, the high-level executives and managers. So let's get started. How did Allegiant start off? Were they a shady airline at the beginning? Well, no, actually, Allegiant started off as a pretty decent airline. 
They started in 1997 as WestJet Express. Surprisingly, during the early years of Allegiant, they had a pretty decent management team, believe it or not. I spoke to an individual who was a high-level manager at Allegiant, and he told me that during those days, the early years, they referred to themselves as the old management team, who proactively spent time, money, and resources on ensuring a safe operation, and they instilled a great sense of pride within the work group. And I'm told by the same individual that the good management team, which is how we're going to refer to them, they even encouraged the inspection department to reject poor work and to ensure the minimum standard of maintenance as it's defined by the FARs was instead done to the highest standard of maintenance they could. That's very important, especially in telling an inspection department, you better make damn sure that the work being done is not crap. So it did seem that Allegiant had a good culture at one point, but eventually the pressures of expenditures versus profits started affecting that good culture. Like many small airlines, Allegiant struggled making profits and competing with larger mainline carriers. Allegiant, they're known throughout the industry as an example of a broad stroke cost reduction airline. But with that, they've also been coined the cheapest airline that cheap airlines hate. As the years wore on, those on the good management team, they left Allegiant for whatever reasons and and toxic managers started flooding in. As profits started shrinking, the new management started making changes and they focused on a new vision as what I'm told it was called. And they implemented a new cost-saving culture and they started forcing out the remaining decent managers and they replaced them with more people who better align with the future mentality of save money, cut costs, get away with what we can without being caught. Well, fast forward to the year 2000, Allegiant filed bankruptcy to restructure as a low-cost carrier at this point. So let's backtrack. Allegiant started off at 97. They had a really good management team. But as those managers, they started pursuing other adventures, right? The ones that were left started getting forced out by these new assholes. These cost-saving money grabbers. In the year 2000, Allegiant filed bankruptcy, and they now restructured as a low-cost carrier. Even after restructuring, though, they were pretty much keeping out of trouble until the mid-2000s, and that's when things started ramping up with the MD-80 fleet. And if you didn't know, at one point, Allegiant was the largest carrier operating MD-80 aircraft. The oldest one they owned was built in 1980. Now, the reason for this is pretty simple. At that point in time, and still is, MD-80s, they're surplus aircraft. And Allegiant found out that they could purchase, ferry, and put an MD-80 through a a D check, which is the heaviest check you can, for $3 million each. And that is a steal, folks. And that's a cheaper alternative than purchasing or leasing new aircraft from Boeing or Airbus. Now, there's nothing wrong with acquiring secondhand aircraft. Matter of fact, their first MD-80 came from SAS Airlines. I don't know if anyone remembers SAS. And many companies today, they adopted that same philosophy. Though MD-80s, they're less fuel efficient, and they can be maintenance hogs if they're not cared for. But with routine maintenance and a proper maintenance program in place, they can operate very safely. And that goes for any aircraft, regardless of age. Another cost advantage for many airlines is that they they send their aircraft to MROs. That stands for maintenance, repair, and overhaul. These facilities do heavy check maintenance, either in the U.S. or outside the U.S. And the ones that do maintenance outside the U.S., that's a whole nother podcast. And I will be doing one because there's some bad stuff going on out there, too. Allegiant does not perform any of its heavy check maintenance. Instead, they send a lot of their aircraft to AAR in Oklahoma. AAR in Oklahoma is currently the largest MRO in the U.S. and the third largest in the world. AAR, let me stop here for a sec. 
they're a bad MRO. They are a bad, bad MRO. And they're going to be the topic of my follow-up expose podcast. They're in the top two spots right now for shady MROs. I know at one point it said top three, but they've jumped to top two. AAR performs maintenance on 18 large U.S. carriers and many other aviation companies. And AAR has, they've been under scrutiny off and on again since 2015, if not before then. But as you're going to find out, as we dive deeper into Allegiant, the FAA rubs ass with a lot of different companies, and it's a damn shame. And then they decide to enforce rules and regulations only when it's convenient for them, when maybe when they're not getting a kickback, then they'll enforce the rules. That's my opinion again. Back to Allegiant. Allegiant's cost-cutting measures at first, they were simple things. I can verify that they were skimping on miscellaneous hardware, greases, fluids, safety wire, consumables, GSE equipment, parts. <laughs> and I'm told that Allegiant line stations, they were instructed to reach out to other carriers on the field and borrow their GSE equipment because their own line stations either didn't have it or their equipment was broke. And one source told me that at his station that he worked at, the station manager was encouraged to reduce free stock items and parts inventories to the bare minimum, such to the point that when guys would go out on a job to use safety wire, they were told to save the safety wire, put it in a communal bowl, and to use the safety wire from that communal bowl before opening up another roll of safety wire. That's what I'm told. But do all the airlines do that to some extent or another? Sure they do. All airlines try to save costs wherever they can. But Allegiant started to go overboard. Two former Allegiant mechanics, they told me that it started getting so bad that when it came to even doing service checks, it was a nightmare just to get what they needed to do a service check. Now, this is interesting because one of the first real violations that Allegiant got caught up with was in 2006, and that was for not inspecting and replacing an MD-80 tire, but signing off the paperwork as if it was done. And this resulted in an $8,000 fine from the FAA. Also in 2008, Allegiant received another undisclosed $8,000 fine for an aviation safety violation, likely again falsifying the documentation. But the FAA did not release that report to me. If you've listened to my FAA failure of the Freedom of Information Act, you'll hear all about it. That was one that the FAA did not want to release to me. Well, if I paid their lawyers, then they would release it to me. So f***ed up. Anyways, things started getting progressively worse at Allegiant and more serious. In the mid-2000s, after a series of repeated emergency landings and aborted takeoffs, the FAA started focusing then on Allegiant's SDRs, which is the Service Difficulty Reports. And they found that 46 out of the 86 aircraft were from the MD-80 fleet. At this time, the average MD-80 in that fleet was around 30 years old compared to 13 years of its Airbus fleet. After increased pressure from the public and the media, in addition to finding some more falsely documented maintenance and maintenance inspections, the FAA, they moved up their regularly scheduled five-year inspections to three years. And then they started performing surprise audits. But this was only because they were getting pushback from the public and the media. The media was going to town on Allegiant during this time, just hammering them. And then people were writing into the FAA and said, why aren't you doing your job? So now the FAA is like, okay, we'll look into it, everybody. We'll, we'll just go find something. And you know what? They did. Undocumented maintenance, maintenance inspections, falsification of maintenance records. Mm-hmm. There were a few good concerned FAA inspectors. They started 
viewing these repeated violations as a result of poor culture, and in general, a we-don't-give-a-shit attitude from Allegiant. And this really concerned these handful of inspectors, and they started relaying their concerns to their FAA superiors. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But remember, I told you at the beginning, there was a surprising few number of FAA inspectors who were concerned. And I don't usually say that a whole lot. Now, between 2014 and 2015, Allegiant was fined $266,375 for violating several drug and alcohol regulations. And this is a big one. This is a huge no-no as any job that's remotely related to performing maintenance on an aircraft is termed a safety-sensitive position. And those employees, they're required to submit to a drug and alcohol test at any time, and that's a common sense thing. But due to manpower shortages at Allegiant, what they ended up doing was they transferred 25 employees into safety-sensitive positions to fill these roles. And in these safety-sensitive positions, this required them to be included in random drug testing. But some of those employees were found to be either favorites or friends of management, and they were deemed exempt from the drug testing pool. And this failure to drug test everybody came up during a whistleblower investigation after several employees were suspected of either having been under the influence of drugs or alcohol right before the start of their shift or suspected of being under the influence of a substance during their shift while performing their jobs. But there's no mention as to what position these people were in particularly. So it could have been anything from maintenance inspectors, maintenance supervisors, which I'm sure that was the case, or aircraft mechanics even. Once it became evident to a legion that the cat was out of the bag, they immediately, they drug tested everyone. And I'm told by people who worked there, like everyone was getting slammed. You were very lucky if you did not get slammed with a random drug test. And folks that did not know what was going on, all of a sudden they're like, uh-oh, what's going on? Why are, why am I in the same drug testing lab as 30 of my other employees right now? What is happening? You know? So yeah, once a legion found out that, uh-oh, cat's out of the bag, Everybody was randomly drug tested. But you know what? One of those employees, they failed the initial drug test. And Allegiant sent that employee back to get drug tested again. But it was not directly observed. Hmm. The drug testing staff, it was found by the FAA, did not directly observe this employee being drug tested. And it's a requirement that if you pop a drug test, you return for a follow-up. But as you read the FAA's internal memorandum reports, the FAA found out that somehow it was not observed. Maybe it was a fluke. Maybe the drug testing staff, they, for whatever reason, they forgot. But I just don't see a drug testing facility putting themselves in that position. But uh, whatever reason, there was serious enough evidence at that point that showed that something went on to prevent that employee from being directly observed while taking the drug test. And the FAA got pissed. And that employee was sent back again with an FAA representative right there. And you know what? They failed. All of that explanation, you probably figured out, yep, that employee failed. And guess what? That employee was a friend of a supervisor, a high-level supervisor at Allegiant. How about that? So fast forward to 2011 and onwards into 2017. There were several occurrences of Allegiant aircraft suffering loss of engine oil pressure, engines being shut down in flight, emergency landings. This was happening almost every other week. And those good FAA inspectors, they found two main attributing factors. The first one was, supposedly, as a cost-reducing measure, Allegiant was not purchasing a sufficient surplus of engine oil for its line stations. 
Thus, the engines were not being serviced properly during service checks or whenever they needed them. There was just not enough engine oil to go around. And that's what I'm told. And the second that the FAA found was deteriorated oil lines that were not being inspected and they were not being replaced, but they could never find why they weren't being replaced. The FAA was stumped. Now, at this point, we're going to take a short intermission for a very obscene sponsor break. And in part two, if you think that the rabbit hole of deception and shadiness stops here, no, no, it gets pretty, it gets pretty up going forward. So after this break, I'm going to tell you about how Allegiant and their MRO buddies at AAR screwed up so bad that if it wasn't for the crew, a lot of people would have died. So stay tuned for part two of Allegiant Airlines shenanigans at its finest coming up. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. In part one, we spoke about how Allegiant Airlines, they started off as a pretty decent company, a non-shady airline, but as with most aviation companies nowadays, once bad management got control, they started making bad decisions and things started going downhill real fast for Allegiant. And we started getting into Allegiant's very early violations and some of the pretty minuscule things that they were doing stupidly and how it started building up to, you know, in the mid-2000s, and Allegiant aircraft was on the news all the time, every other week. Emergency landing for this, emergency landing for that. And there was a core group of FAA inspectors who were hammering Allegiant. They were always showing up unannounced, as they should have. And they were finding just a culture completely devoid of care. Just an, a complete, oh, we don't care culture. And they were starting to complain. They were taking notes. They were being very vigilant in their duties. And I commend them for doing so. In 2015, one of the biggest examples of poor aircraft maintenance caused in part by a toxic and unsafe company culture occurred on Allegiant Flight 436. And only the foresight and intuition of the crew prevented what would have certainly been a deadly aviation accident. In 2015, AAR, who performs Allegiant's heavy checks, they came under real scrutiny when the FAA found out that numerous very dangerous violations were occurring on aircraft under AAR's care and not just the Legion. On at least one occasion, these violations resulted in an aircraft of Allegiance aborting takeoff and having come literally within seconds of a deadly disaster. Enter Allegiant Flight 436. During the first few seconds of the initial takeoff roll on this flight, the aircraft, it pitched up violently, just poop, no crew input, boop, just started pitching off. They're within the first few seconds of their takeoff roll, and the aircraft pitched up violently with no crew input. So the crew's fighting with the plane, right? They felt that the aircraft elevators were commanding pitch up, and both of them were forcing the yoke downwards. The aircraft was not responding. In a mere second and a half, both of them, boom, made the decision and bought the takeoff. It took that fast, and they both decided this is up. They aborted the takeoff and they announced that their intentions were to taxi the aircraft back to the gate and have maintenance meet them at the gate. Now, after the aircraft returned to the gate, an Allegiant mechanic, what they found was even more up. And you know what this Allegiant mechanic found? The left elevator booster, PCA rod, which 
should have been connected to the left elevator, was found completely disconnected, and it had wedged itself between the inboard end of the elevator and the h staff, and it was just restricting its travel. And this was found due to an improperly installed castellated nut and the failure to install a 58-cent piece cotter key. And that would have prevented the booster PCA rod from disconnecting completely from the left elevator. A cotter key, a 58-cent cotter key, almost caused so close. And as a result of this, those same concerned FAA inspectors, they wrote yet another report recommending that AAR, who did the f***ing job, have its MRO certificate suspended and the maximum, the maximum fines be levied against AAR for each violation, each. They wanted to hammer them. These FAA inspectors, these handful of guys who are doing their job as they should have, they wanted to get AAR so bad, but they also want to figure what's going on with Allegiant. Why didn't Allegiant catch this? So they sent a memo to the upper echelon within the FAA, scrutinizing both Allegiant and AAR citing repeated violations over the many, many years and stating that AAR's company culture, they seemingly encourage poor and unsafe maintenance practices based upon the interviews they had with employees, whistleblower reports, things that happened at AAR over the years, that they encouraged poor and unsafe maintenance practices citing the companies, and this is in the report, and I quote, casual view on returning aircraft to service in an unairworthy condition and being extremely dangerous. <laughs> Even after having been given multiple written warnings and corrective actions, both the Legion and AAR management argued with the FAA inspectors on the findings, and both they started blaming each other for Flight 436 incident. This was a rare moment in time when several good FAA inspectors had the courage to speak up, and they had enough. So they elevated it, because they found that similar issues at AAR had been ongoing. These inspectors found that several issues at AAR, they've been ongoing just like issues at Allegiant were. So this memorandum was sent up to the very high echelon in Washington and nothing happened. After this memorandum was leaked to the public, and I have a full unredacted copy of it, by the way, the FAA regional office refused to allow the suspension of AAR's MRO certifications, their op specs. And they told the FAA inspectors, these handful of good guys, to reduce it to a mere compliance action. And they said, why? And their boss said, well, we have a new compliance philosophy. We're going to be kinder, more gentler. We want to work with airlines before resorting to enforcement action. And this is quoted from that report. And the FAA regional office, they closed the case. And I totally disagree with that. The FAA did, though, find fault with Allegiant for not adequately reviewing AAR's maintenance documentation and ensuring the maintenance being performed was in full compliance with both AAR's policies and those of its own airline. So Allegiant did also get its pee-pee smacked a bit on this because again, it is the customer rep, Allegiant's customer rep who's on site. It is their, one of their jobs to ensure that, the, that AAR's maintenance documentation is complying with the company's policy for that MRO, but they didn't do that. Their customer rep dropped the ball on it because Allegiant was not fully reviewing the maintenance work being done at AAR. And then the feds looked into this further and they found this had been a casual, it's like going over to your buddy's house to drink a bit. Hey, AAR, how you doing, man? Hey, how's it going, Allegiant? I'm doing good. Want to smoke a blunt? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it was, it was that casual of a relationship between Allegiant and AAR and still is to this day. 
Disclaimer, Brian does not approve of drug use or alcohol use. And these FAA inspectors were now very concerned because they were not getting backed by their regional office. Their bosses were not backing them up. And that's their job is to enforce the rules and regulations. This is their job, taking enforcement action. And they were told, what, you mean I can't do it now? You mean all those times that Brian Wheels has been saying that we don't do our job, you're actually going to tell me not to do my job? We can't prove I'm wrong? But these good FAA inspectors, they were concerned that similar quality escapes were occurring on not just other Allegiant aircraft, but other aircraft belonging to other companies. And they were finding this. And it gets better. It gets a lot better. Because between 2016 and October of 2017, it was found that there were more than 100 serious mechanical issues in flight on a Legion aircraft, including engine failures in flight, including engine fires, loss of nose landing gear steering, smoke and fumes in the cabin and the flight deck, several rapid descents causing injuries to passengers, some very serious, flight control malfunctions, hydraulic leaks, pressurization issues, burst tires. And no, folks, these were not just on the MD-80s, because I know some of you are thinking, Oh, Brian, this is just on the MD-80s. This isn't on anything else. It's just the MD-80s because Airbus is perfect. No, no. These were occurring on the newer A319s, the A320s, and the lovely, God, I love 757s. Those 57s that Allegiant owned were such sad birds. I can feel their pain. But this was occurring on A319s, A320s, and on the 57s that Allegiant was purchasing. So no, it wasn't just an MD-80 thing. It was on the newer aircraft that they were purchasing at this time. Granted, I have not run through all of these hundred incidents, okay? I have not gone through all of them, but I'd be willing to bet you that many of these were also attributed to poor maintenance practices. In 2016, the Tampa Bay Times, they got a hold of this FAA memorandum because their buddies, their news buddies in Vegas sent it to them, and they ran a story saying that Allegiant aircraft were four times more likely to have an in-flight failure than any other American airline at that time. And they were right because on March 4th of 2017, an Allegiant MD-82 rejected takeoff. They thought they had a blown tire. But what actually happened was the number one engine suffered a failure of its high-pressure turbine disc. And that resulted in an uncontained engine case rupture. And that's a big thing. And the official outcome of this is sketchy, as that report has to been redacted by the FAA and they did not want to give it to me unless I paid their lawyers. But I suspect this was due to improper maintenance on the engine. And another Allegiant flight in 2017, it experienced abnormal vibrations from one of its engines, and it made an emergency landing. And that was found to be due to multiple compressor stalls occurring. And from what I'm told by a mechanic who worked at Allegiant at that time, it was due to improper rigging of the fuel control unit. But I am also unable to find that specific investigative report. I tried. The FAA said no. Hmm. Interesting. Another issue that started showing up in the mid-2000s, I know we're going a little backwards, but this is relevant, was that several MD-80s were experiencing high EGT. And Elysian at that time, they just believed that these were due to the automatic reverse thrust system that was installed on the engine. Now, Elysian did not document all these occurrences because the EGT temperatures did not exceed the manufacturer's maximum EGT limits as it's outlined in the tech pubs. But these were repeat events. This was occurring over and over again. Now, the FAA found out, and I, I don't believe it was the same FAA inspectors this time, but there was a group of FAA inspectors that did find out, and they expressed concerns that these high EGTs 
were leading a premature engine wear, which it can. And they found that Allegiant Maintenance was not doing any bore scoping. They weren't performing any internal engine inspections per the engine maintenance manual when you have high EGT events that are repeat. They were only performing GVI, that's general visual inspections on the engine. They're opening up the cowling. They're looking at it saying, oh man, we're, we're high above the ground now. Oh boy, I don't like heights. And they were closing the cowling, that was it. Why? Because it saved time and it saved money. That's why. I don't buy that all these mechanics were just doing it just to, to f around. I don't, I don't buy that. I don't buy it. I believe that they were under pressure, stress, again, human factors. And this resulted in the FAA and Allegiant agreeing on six procedural changes to improve Allegiant's engine monitoring program. While this was supposed to help curtail that problem, though, the FAA, they found that high EGTs and again, some more engine shutdown events were still occurring. Now, if you think that <laughs> it stops here, the rabbit hole of shadiness, deception, and lies ends, nope, it gets worse. After this break, I'm gonna tell you how Allegiant tried to further deceive the FAA and to cover their tracks on what I just said. Coming up, stay tuned. And we're back, part three of Allegiant Airlines, shenanigans at its finest. How is everyone doing? You a snack, something to drink? Isn't this exciting? I'm excited, I'm excited just to do this. I love doing this stuff. I love informing you of what's going on. An informed public is a safe public. That's right, let's get into it. So let's recap. In 2000, Allegiant filed for bankruptcy and they restructured as a low cost carrier. At the beginning, Allegiant had a really good management team calling the shots. But those managers, they went on to bigger, better things. They were replaced by incompetent asshats. In 2006, Allegiant got pinched for not replacing tires on an MD-80 and improperly documenting maintenance. Two times in 2008, they were fined again. In the mid-2000s, there was a rash of emergency landings and aborted takeoffs all over the place. During that time, the feds moved up the five-year inspection to three years with intermittent surprise audits mixed in. We discussed some of the in-flight shutdowns that were occurring, we talked about Allegiant's violation of the drug and alcohol testing protocol. Allegiant sent their aircraft to AAR in Oklahoma for heavy maintenance and AAR seriously cocked up, almost costing passengers their lives. I talked about the FAA memorandum that was leaked that exposes both Allegiant and AAR's deliberate and negligent culture. We spoke about the issues that came about in 2017. And before the break, I talked about how Allegiant's MD-80s were experiencing very high EGTs and how Allegiant attempted to deceive the FAA, and that's where we left off. Let's get back into it. Now, get this. In early 2017, that's early 2017, Allegiant had asked the FAA for permission to deactivate the MD-80's auto reverse thrust system on these problem aircraft that were having high EGTs. The FAA responded in December of 2017. They told Allegiant not to do so because high EGT could be caused by several other issues, duh. And Allegiant said, well, what do you want us to do? And the feds say, take those aircraft out of service and perform maintenance inspections on those aircraft engines. But in 2018, get this, an MD-88 experienced high EGT on one of its engines and it did a field return. The FAA started an investigation due to this because remember in early 2017, they had already told Allegiant, take these aircraft out of service we're not going to allow you to deactivate the MD-80 auto reverse thrust system. 
take those aircraft out of service, perform the maintenance on the affected engines, then you can put them back in service, but do not deactivate those reverse thrust systems. Well, what did they find? They found that the auto reverse thrust system on this particular MD-88 in 2018 was MEL'd by Allegiant and had been MEL'd for a while. And that MD-8 was put back in service without Allegiant having troubleshot the problem. What did the feds tell them not to do in writing? Fix it. Don't deactivate the systems. Fix it. They just MEL'd it after being told by the FAA in early 2017 not to do so. And this aircraft, this particular aircraft, flew 28 times until it was finally grounded by the feds. And then the issue was resolved. And the same system was MEL'd on several other aircraft exhibiting the same problem. Again, the FAA told Allegiant in writing, don't deactivate those systems, take those aircraft out of service, and fix the problem. Now, since Allegiant had written the FAA to ask for permission to deactivate the systems on the aircraft, and the FAA responded back to them saying no, and since Allegiant went ahead and did it anyways, what this does is it violates the FAA's operation specifics order. So let me explain that. When an airline reaches out to the FAA and they say, hey, I would like to deviate from the maintenance manual or make some other change or modification to the aircraft without consulting the aircraft manufacturer, and the feds say no, that becomes an actionable item that's recorded. And it's called an FAA-issued operation specification or directive. That is the FAA in writing saying, no, you cannot do that. You cannot deviate. The feds track these because they want to make sure that in the event that they said no to something, that the airline or the aviation company didn't go ahead and do it anyways. But since the Legion went ahead and did it anyways, they got their pee-pee smacked and it violated that order. And that was really stupid for a Legion. You never ask the FAA if you can deviate from a maintenance procedure. It's easier just to reach out to the manufacturer, which in this case was Boeing, as they bought McDonnell Douglas out years prior, and ask them for permission from engineering to deviate on a procedure. And then you inform the FAA that you have a manufacturer's approval to deviate or to change something on the aircraft. And I did hear that several mechanics spoke up about what was going on, but they were told to shut up by management or risk being terminated. So they remained quiet. They didn't want to lose their jobs. Though from what I understand, the mechanics who did perform these MELs after the FAA told Allegiant not to, they were sent to LOIs, which is letters of investigation, which means that the FAA is looking into the action of a mechanic, but I don't know what the outcome of it is. Usually it's either you did something wrong or you didn't. And these days, it's almost always you did something wrong. Here's a fine or give me your license. But yet again, this is another prime example of some dipshit management, strong army mechanics and compromising the safety of the aircraft and the people flying on it. Now, in late 2018, after the pressure from the public and the continuance of in-flight engine shutdowns and other maintenance-related issues, the U.S. Department of Transportation, they said, you know what, FAA, you're not doing enough. We're opening up our own investigation. This is the United States Department of Transportation. And this report found that the continued in-flight engine shutdowns were due to poor maintenance forcing Allegiant aircraft to return to the field to defer to make emergency landings. And this happened 21 times after the FAA told Allegiant to improve their engine monitoring program. Remember, we spoke about that, right? The FAA had an agreement with Allegiant. Well, let's just improve your engine monitoring program. Previously, <laughs> what happened there? Since Allegiant now knew that the FAA and 
U.S. DOT, that's the United States Department of Transportation, were conducting their own separate investigations. They said, screw it. We're retiring the MD-80 fleet. And they retired the last one in late 2018. And they were hoping that getting rid of those aircraft would reduce the heat. But if you ask Allegiant what happened, they claim that this was mainly due to its public promise of retiring the MD-80 fleet. But it didn't stop the Department of Transportation from releasing their own report, which I also have, and exposing more inconsistencies of Allegiant and the FAA now. And granted, the Department of Transportation did somewhat praise these handful of good FAA inspectors that were trying to do the right thing. In late 2019, the U.S. Department of Transportation, it released its report scrutinizing the FAA. They just slaughtered them. And I quote, the FAA needs to improve oversight to address maintenance issues overall at Allegiant. Duh. This report also mentions that as soon as Allegiant got rid of its last MD-80s, the FAA, they suddenly closed its investigation before fully ensuring Allegiant was taking corrective actions. And from what I understand, those handful of good FAA inspectors, they were long gone by this point. And now the U.S. Department of Transportation is wondering, so Allegiant got rid of its last MD-80s FAA, and you all of a sudden, like within weeks, close your investigation, and you have never ensured that Allegiant was taking the corrective action that they were falling through. So they were getting kind of pissed. The United States Department of Transportation also found that the FAA did not provide inspectors with enough guidance and comprehensive training to ensure that Allegiant took appropriate corrective action nor did the FAA handle every serious violation with enforcement actions. There are many other events that took place, which I don't go into detail due to time. But the gist of this, okay, this, this what we're talking about now, is that the FAA didn't do anything besides tell Allegiant, don't do it again. Again, I'm told those FAA inspectors were long gone by this point. For whatever reason, where they went, I don't know. But they were, they were out of the picture. So no longer did you have this good group of inspectors saying, hey, do the right thing, boss. And the FAA just kind of collapsed in on itself, says we don't want to mess with it. They did, though. I mean, granted, they for several years at the beginning, they hammered Allegiant with fines. And then they suddenly stopped, which is weird. I find it weird. So I would agree that the FAA has gone back and forth at implementing corrective action and not implementing corrective action. But from 2020 onwards, Allegiant has been in the spotlight significantly less. I'll give them that. Now that it's retired, the MD-80 fleet, don't go run, yo, it's the MD-80s, it's the MD-80s. As one could argue it was, because MD-80s, Allegiant had a lot of issues with them. But the fact remains that it has been documented that Allegiant has a systemic problem within its organization, its management team, and with its maintenance department. It's been documented. So you can't just go saying, oh, it's the MD-80s fault. A plane is a plane is a plane. It's a machine. You maintain that machine. You take care of that machine, it will take care of you. If you don't, what are you going to blame? <laughs> a drop-off in fines and violation reports, that doesn't mean that the problems within the airline just poof disappeared. It just means that any issues that are ongoing or have not been discovered, they haven't been reported on or released. And after that internal memorandum at the FAA got leaked, I'm willing to bet you that we're not going to see leaked information for a long, long time. But for the most part, I believe the FAA, they, they did sufficiently investigate and find Allegiant for what they were accountable for. Yeah, during the end, they did not. And not having suspended or revoked AAR's MRO certs, that was wrong. They should have done that. But rest assured, AAR is getting its day on this podcast. It is going to happen. As for Allegiant, do I think they 
changed their ways, that the problems have disappeared completely, only time is going to tell. I personally won't fly in Allegiant. I'm not going to tell you not to. You do what you want to do. Until a change in the culture is made, airlines will cut corners, and unfortunately, that has and will cost lives. Remember, always do the right things for the right reasons, and never compromise your integrity. If you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, if you want to share your stories or experiences live on the podcast, reach out to me, apmechanicpodcast at aol.com. You can find me on Twitter at goodbadugly underscore AMP. Thank you everyone so much for listening. I really got, I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope the wait was worth it until next time. Take care and be safe. We'll see you.